Hey there, I'm your host, TG Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. My guest today is Michael Senderovich. He is the president and founder of Zager Insurance Services. How are you doing today? Doing great. Done with the pronunciations there, TG. <laughs> well, we, we we went through it several times be, before we kicked this off. So so uh, you know, if, if I botch that, I have a real problem. <laughs> um, so so you know, before we get into you're you're an insurance guy. Before we get into into the details of that, I want to know about you. What what's your background and how'd you end up serving this industry? Sure, sure, sure. So well, um, I've got a pretty extensive background in anything that is risk related. Uh, when I started my first business, we were buying and selling debt portfolios, and then we were working on secured loans. Uh, and after that, I basically, during my tenure of uh, graduate school is when I transitioned into the insurance world. I, I'm one of those kind of crazy guys that I kind of look at an industry and see what's wrong with it. And I try to fix it in a completely kind of psychotic way where I get too involved and, uh, you know, kind of create this uh, movement, hopefully, uh, at least that's what we're trying to do. So, you know, big, big background in risk and uh, insurance is really all about risk. It's uh, literally, you know, kind of one of the primary definitions of insurance is uh, risk and uh, the exposure of, of risk. So uh, big, big kind of proponent of uh, getting things done properly in terms of getting things insured properly and, and kind of educating our clients and, and educating people just in general, because insurance is such a broad thing, but it's actually one of those broad things. It's just so misunderstood. So where, where'd you go to college? So I went to uh, college both for undergraduate and graduate at the University of Redlands, which, you know, if, if uh, anybody listens to this podcast is familiar with Redlands, you know that there's actually a pretty strong cannabis culture there. Um, and then also surrounding areas like San Bernardino and so on. So when you went into graduate school, were you focused on risk then or, or did that come about as, as you sort of gotten to got got your claws into the program. Yeah, I've been involved with risk since kind of my first venture. I, I started my first business at 21 and I went to graduate school at 28. So I was already kind of versed on risk when I was going into graduate school, but graduate school kind of opened up, um, you know, a bunch of different kind of avenues and gave me a, a much better understanding as to where risk originates, you know, what risk can do to a business, so on and so forth. That's cool, man. You, you, congratulations on you know still doing your own thing. You know, from twenty one, not a lot of people can can say that. Thank um, you, thank you. So, so let's let's start with some basics here. You know, we all, everyone listening to this probably has some sort of insurance or another, whether it be business, whether it be, you know, your car insurance. Uh, but, but as you said, it's misunderstood. So, so help us lay people who are just insurance consumers and know really nothing about what it actually is, what is it actually? Right. So insurance, if you open up any type of literature, if you're studying for an insurance, excuse me, if you're studying for an insurance exam, the, the basically insurance is the transfer of risks from one party to another. And that's in return for in the insurance world premium. So what you're doing essentially is when you're paying the insurance company a premium, they now with that premium are assuming the risk. So 
they determine risk based off of a bunch of different factors. And I'm sure you know people have heard of the term actuary, uh, and then also underwriters. Actuaries are a little bit more, I think, understood than underwriters. Underwriters kind of have this kind of black magic thing going on, uh, but actuaries are basically just you know they're st- statisticians, and what they do is they look at you know these large large samples uh, of data and they figure out uh, risk based off of that data. And what underwriters do is they're basically kind of like the actuaries write the book and, or, or maybe the um, instead of the book, they write the manual and then underwriters take a look at that manual and they build a policy, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, based off of the data that was given to them by the actuaries. So insurance, you know, as a whole is basically, uh, you know, if you kind of compare an insurance company to an individual, if you've got something that's risky, you know, let's say that you're holding on a piece of jewelry, right? And if you give that piece of jewelry to someone else to protect it, um, or if you even hold on to that piece of jewelry and they protect it just based off of, you know, let's say monetary uh, basis, then what happens is if you have a loss, the insurance um, company or that person that is assuming that risk, if anything should happen to that item or if anything should happen to the person, because insurance also do deals with um, personal injury, they will give you a, basically it's, you know, some, some people call it a benefit. It's actually not supposed to be called a benefit. Uh, but what they do is they pay you out a dollar sum to make you whole again. It's basically called the principle of indemnity. So their goal is to take money from you. And in return, what they do is they offer you protection. They're kind of like a bodyguard. So, so, how you know the the cannabis industry is is obviously um it, it's nascent right and states they have different regulations regarding you know you look at a state like new york they the the law requires them to have these premiums to to maintain these these insurance premiums uh the cannabis businesses so so how does the insurance industry operate in this nascent sort of strangely piecemeal regulated industry? Well, the kind of the great thing and maybe not, I guess it's like a catch 22 when we're talking about this particular question. Uh, The insurance world is not really a stranger to how things are in the cannabis world because every state has its own department of insurance. For example, I'm in California. We have the California Department of Insurance and, you know, whichever state we're talking about, they're going to have their own department. So they all have their own way of doing things, but we have basically these master policies that we kind of go off of and each state either approves or declines that particular policy. Um, Basically, they're kind of like consumer watchdogs. So, you know, with all these different departments of insurance, it's really important to kind of get a core competency of each state. And if you have anyone that's telling you that, you know, they're licensed in all 50 states and they're a one to two man shop, uh, I would probably kind of stray away from an agency brokerage like that because it's just not possible to, you know, keep up with all the regulation and also with what each state is doing because it's changing. I mean, the insurance world is, is a little slow to change, but they do change and it's really difficult to kind of keep up with what's going on. So, so with regard to the cannabis space, what are some of the issues that you as an insurer are facing? So to, to answer your question, um, the insurance world, like I said, because it's so kind of scattered and so all over the place, you know, the cannabis kind of industry all in itself is really not that big of a problem for insurance 
to insure. It's a problem for them to insure currently because of, well, you've got, you know, the federal versus state thing. On a state level, yes, we have our departments of insurance, but we still kind of have to, you know, take into consideration the federal guys. So it's not really much different than what you know, you're looking at uh, in terms of any other vendors or any other services or any anything else uh, cannabis related, it's kind of sort of the same problem. The insurance carriers, they want to write this business because they see an emerging industry and they see an insurable industry more, more importantly. And for insurance, you know, for insurance companies, it's all about insurable interest. Do they really want to assume the risk? I mean, if it's risk that's just way too crazy and way too high, obviously they may not want to go into that industry. So you have have a kind of a niche market of insurers that will do that particular risk because it's so risky. But you do have that market and insurance carriers want to go in there. In fact, there's actually just one insurer uh, that I can kind of take off the top of my head that was just recently kind of okayed by the Department of Insurance in California called California Bear to do more cannabis uh, related business. You know, so it's it's kind of the same thing as everything else. Uh, nothing too different, but you know there is there is hope. I mean, obviously there's there's plenty of hope. It's just right now we're kind of in purgatory because the insurance carriers want to do it, but they're kind of tied up because they're like we we really can't because if we do something, then we're kind of stuck in the middle. You know, if some crop gets damaged or if a dispensary gets robbed or someone gets hurt in a dispensary, I mean, there's really not a ton of regulation there yet, so it's hard for them to kind of place a contract that says we will do this because there's no law or there's no regulation that's very clear about what it is that they're doing. So you guys, you, you, you guys aren't really faced with any like licensing issues, you know, when, when, they, when states roll out, usually different industry, industries such as, you know, the, the lawyers group, the bar association will have to, uh, they'll have to write some sort of memo. And that'll say, hey, it's okay for you guys to do business with this industry, right? We're not going to disbar you. We're not going to take any action against you. Is, is this, this isn't something it sounds like that comes up in your line of business, really? Uh, they, we don't have anything like that yet. And I'd appreciate it if maybe we can keep this on the down low so that they don't get any ideas about implementing something like that. I mean, in terms of like morals and ethics, the carriers themselves are kind of morally uh, and ethically adverse to the cannabis industry. But they do and they will write it. I mean, it just really depends. You know, insurance companies are just like any other company. You have your corporate leadership and your, your stakeholders. And basically, if all agree and they want to go into this industry, then they'll do it. So there's nothing really specific to us as brokerages because basically brokerages were kind of like retail agents. You know, it's the same thing as if you were to look at like a restaurant, right? Similar type of business where we serve insurance and basically what we could do is we can kind of write whatever it is that we want. We can write all the broad, you know, categories and all the broad industries that we want, or we can maintain really, really niche with, which is what, you know, our agency likes to do. We've always been kind of niche in everything that we've done. And, you know, so going back to also the portfolios and the risk management that we've also done before we transitioned into insurance. So it's, it, you know, it really is contingent upon 
the carrier itself. Do they want to do this or do they not? And if they do, then they work with the Department of Insurance and they figure out, you know, what kind of policies are available. And there's really not too many. I mean, we can go and I think we, we I think maybe a little little down the line, we'll actually go through what kind of coverage is available, um, what, what is available in the market. And then, you know, if, if that's something that they want to write, then that's what they'll write. The only problematic one, or actually the only two problematic ones, would be commercial auto insurance and workers' compensation. And these are really the two that are kind of the more complex ones right now because you have to be regulated. You have to maintain maintain a certain amount of solvency in your age, in your, sorry, misspoke. You have to maintain a certain amount of solvency. And this goes for all insurance carriers, but for work comp and for auto, it's a little bit more stringent when it comes to regulation. So when you, when you talk about auto, you're saying that it's it's dicey. Is it because they're transporting cannabis? It's dicey because of that. Yeah, um, you know, there's it's dicey because of a, a lot of different factors. Actually, and some of the primary factors are where you're actually transporting. So you know, if it's cross crossing state lines, that makes it more dicey. Um, if you are in a riskier area that is you know, more prone to accidents or more prone to theft out of vehicles or more prone to, you know, just risk in general, then those carriers have a much stronger kind of ability to just say, no, we're not going to take this business and decline. Or what they do is, you know, they just make these premiums completely unaffordable. And that's the way that they kind of say, oh, well, you know, we can't really help you right now. Well, I definitely want to talk about what is and what isn't covered. But before we get into that, we got to take a break. This is the Entrepreneur.com podcast. I'm T.G. Brandfall. If you are looking for a job in the rapidly growing and highly competitive cannabis industry, Gontrepreneur.com is the place to look. Visit the Gontrepreneur job board today to browse current openings with cannabis companies throughout the United States, from entry-level bud tender positions to executive-level career opportunities. You can also create a profile and upload your resume to be discovered by cannabis recruiters. Visit our job board at jobs.gontrepreneur.com to create your profile today. If you are a business owner, you can post your job openings for as little as $25 on our job board to reach the largest and most engaged audience of cannabis professionals on the web. Companies who are listed in the Gontrepreneur Business Directory are eligible for free job listings. If you are already signed up, contact us today via the website or send us an email at grow at gontrepreneur.com to activate your unique coupon. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, TG Brandfault, here with Mike Senderovich, president and founder, Zager Insurance Services. Uh, so before the break, we're talking a bit about, you know, what uh, I mean, we're talking about a lot of things insurance-wise. <laughs> you know, I mean, just a lot of yeah. issues have, have come up in the short space already. Um, but I wanted to get to, you know, the basic question. What is and isn't covered uh, insurance-wise for cannabis businesses? Sure. So this is going to get a little dodgy. I, I wish I could give you a clear and concrete answer, but the fact of the matter is, is it really all depends. And it depends on the market. It depends on where you are. And it really it depends on how long you've been around and, and you know just a bunch of different contingencies. So the primary kind of coverage, the one that usually pops up first is something called general liability. You know, there's a bunch of different factors that are associated with uh, general liability. And then there's also kind of an offshoot of that, and that's called a BOP, a business owner's policy. So, so these protect against liability 
uh, that the business is is potentially going to cause. You know, so for example, if someone comes into your shop, comes into your premises, then you have a policy that protects you from that person that comes in. So suppose they come into your shop, they're handling a jar for whatever reason that contains a crop, um, and they have just really slippery fingers and it falls and it shatters and they cut themselves. Well, they can actually sue you for that. So if they sue you for that, your general liability would cover you uh, against that. Now, the BOP is going to be similar, except the BOP gives you a little bit more in terms of protecting the actual assets of the business. And we're talking about like displays, computers, so on and so forth. So basically, the BOP is a little bit more comprehensive because it's going to protect more of what the business owns. Now, prop, or I'm sorry, crop is inventory. And inventory sometimes is coverable, but right now for the cannabis industry, it's kind of not. I mean, you will have kind of different kind of schools of thought, some agencies and some brokerages and some even insurance carriers will kind of give you a gray area type of answer to say, yeah, you know, it may be, um, which, you know, kind of creates a little bit of apprehension on the side of the consumer because you never really get a concrete answer. And that's really the problem with the insurance world that is st- specific to cannabis right now, because because there's you know so little regulation and so little kind of black and white, it's really difficult for them to say, yes, we're going to do this, or no, we're not going to do this. I mean, they're actually pretty good at saying, no, we're not, but the yes, we are is, is a little bit tough for them. You know, The second uh, that comes in is actually going to be your commercial auto. And that the reason I put commercial in there is whenever you are using a vehicle for a commercial capacity, and we're, we're going to talk about just like business capacity to kind of simple it up a little bit. If you're using that vehicle for work, and we're not talking about taking your car from your house and driving to your dispensary where you work. We're talking about actually transporting crop or you know doing any type of business errands. Suppose you need to run to the bank, whatever. If you have just traditional personal auto insurance, and if you get into a car accident, the adjuster is going to ask you what you were doing, especially if you're at fault. So if you're at fault, you know your agent, your your uh, insurance comes in. That's why you buy the insurance. If you're not at fault, the other person's insurance should come in. So it's a little bit different when it comes to you know at fault, not at fault. But what will happen is, is if you are at fault, the adjuster is going to ask you where were you going, potentially, not always, and you know basically what were you doing. And if they see or you know kind of, you know, smell potentially anything that has to do with cannabis, they're going to kind of put their hands up. And a lot of times, you know, they will report that to the insurance carrier and that creates a problem for the driver. So commercial auto is really, really important because personal will not cover you regardless of whether or not you have crop in your car. If you're doing anything that is business related, if you're doing anything that's business related, you should theoretically have commercial auto insurance. And the great part about commercial auto insurance, not always, but mostly, is that commercial auto insurance actually is in many ways less expensive than traditional personal because you're driving potentially the vehicle less. Because if you're going to do errands once or twice a day, it's not like, you know, your 40, 50 minute commute um, from you know your dispensary or your grow operation to, to home. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles for us going to wherever is an hour drive. So if I'm doing anything that is business related, I definitely need to carry uh, commercial auto insurance. Now, the, the other kind of side of that is we're going into something like workers' compensation and also medical benefits. You know, so workers' compensation is 
it's it's actually mandated. It's it's required by law in many states, including California. So in California, if you have anybody who's an employee. And now they're going so far as saying that even your subcontractors, so your 1099, quote unquote, employees are required to be listed as insureds in that policy. So basically what they're saying is, is if you don't even have a W-2, if you're issuing a 1099, you are now responsible for that person if they get injured on the job. So now come January, there's just, you know, a lot more carriers that are, that are open for it. And, uh, you know, they're kind of looking at the risk and, and evaluating and figuring out the premium. So we're kind of in that step right now. Uh, after that, you know, there's the, the other tricky kind of side of insurance, which is the dental and the medical. And those are really kind of up in the air. You know, if you're talking about doing some kind of a group policy for your business, which is great in many different ways. I mean, it's very beneficial for tax write-offs, so on and so forth. If you're doing something like that, it's going to be difficult for you to get underwritten. What basically underwritten means is approved uh, for a policy because if you you know, you have to, on these applications, tell them what industry that you're in and what your employees do and what you do. And there's a little bit of, you know, kind of, um, what's, I'm trying to l- use a light term, not something too um, too aggressive or too assertive. You know, there's a little bit of kind of shying away from these particular industries because there there is still a bit of a, a stigma from these carriers that, you know, it's a, it's a higher risk industry to be a part of. And the people that are involved with it are higher risk. So, you know, those are kind of the primary insurances that are available. You do have something like Inland Marine that's potentially available. That is, if you have a general liability policy and you want to insure equipment, tools, you know, for example, if you're doing grow operation, Inland Marine would be great, you know, to insure something like lights, you know, irrigation, um, so on. So those are kind of the primary ones. And, you know, when you have a well-versed brokerage or agent, whichever one that it is that you choose, you know, they will be able to give you kind of this roadmap of where it's best to go with your insurances. So when, excuse me, when insurers are considering risk, is potential federal interference in the industry something that is considered in this, you know, analysis? Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually one of the primary problems. That's why we don't see more of these carriers coming out and saying, we want to write this risk because they're kind of stuck in the middle. You know, what they're doing is they're assuming the risk. They're saying, listen, now that we've received this premium, we're going to give you protection. Now, how are we going to offer protection if we're not really sure what we're offering because of you know federal regulations? So it's, it's really difficult for them. It's a really tough position for them to be in right now. And that's why premiums are obviously higher because they have to calculate that in. And you have such a small number of insurance carriers that are actually approachable. I mean, if you go to someone like a farmer's, I mean, don't quote me on this because I'm not a farmer's agent, but you know, it's a very, very unlikely thing for you to get insurance coverage coverage from farmers if you're a grill operation. Maybe a little bit easier if you're a dispensary because that completely changes things up because there's less of a concern about the crop itself uh, and more concern about just the liability portion. So someone like, you know, like the early example coming into your shop and um, hurting themselves. Uh, But it's just, it's really, really kind of um, a purgatory almost type of situation where we just don't have concise answers as to what we can and cannot do because of federal. So there is no DEA insurance. Uh, You know what? I'm not sure. I would have to (laughs) Google that and see if there's, there's something like that available. So, um, 
So the, you're you're operating now in in two states, right? We're operating actually in three. Uh, we're operating in California, Texas, and Ohio. Now Texas and Ohio are just you know they're they're for different markets that we service. California is basically our case study right now for cannabis because it's such a large state. There's so much exposure here, um, you know, and there's such a culture of, of cannabis with you know up north and in Humboldt and and um, Mendocino and down south, you know, in, in Redlands and San Bernardino and uh, Adelanto. I mean, there's a huge kind of um, shift towards being really cannabis friendly in, in Adelanto. So there's there's a lot to go around for for agents right now, and, and there's really not a lot of insurance agents slash brokers coming into the industry because they're quite frankly they're scared because we get penalized if we write you know quote unquote risk too risky business, you know if there's a lot of losses and things like that, and if we're not profitable to the insurance carrier, they're not going to want to do business with us. So everybody's kind of exposed to this, like what's happening risk. And no one really has a solid, like, Hey, this is the direction that we should be going. But the retail agents, the guys that are, you know, like us, where we're actually kind of moving in the direction and possibly putting pressure on the carriers to give us something to work with, give us some kind of a policy. We're actually the ones I think, uh, in my opinion, are a little bit more progressive and kind of almost forcing the hand of these insurance companies to say, it's it's here. I mean, this industry is here and it's legitimizing and, and we need to have a product base for it. So why did you decide you're from California? Why did you decide to enter the Texas and Ohio? So markets? Texas and Ohio are for a different line of um, or a different industry, rather, I should say. So we have two core demographic markets uh, for what we write here in the agency. And our, our agency is completely commercial. We do not offer any type of personal property and casualty business. So there's a large boom of construction actually related to cannabis as well, because, you know, you've got grow operations and you've got greenhouses that are coming up. Uh, Texas and Ohio do have a construction boom that's similar, but it's not cannabis related yet. Uh, so we have those kind of two uh, main industries that we focus on. And, and that's really kind of always been uh, an obsession of mine is to have some kind of a contingency plan, some kind of a, a risk retention or a risk mitigation rather on our end. So, you know, if cannabis doesn't go the way that we need it to go as a company, because, you know, obviously we need to make money and, and we have stakeholders and stockholders. So if it didn't go at, um, you know, a particular trajectory that we needed to go, we can always rely on, uh, you know, our construction related business, uh, which is California, Texas and Ohio. Well, I want to talk to you uh, a bit more about your experience in uh, in the cannabis space. Uh, but before we do that, we got to take a last break. This is Entrepreneur.com podcast and TG Brandfault. At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of cannabis, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. This is why we created the Gontrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. 
If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey, welcome back to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, T.G. Brandfall, here with Michael Senderovich, president and founder of Zager Insurance Services. So before the break, you know, we're, we're discussing kind of, you know, how you've, how you've broken your business and, you know, the cannabis and then, and then the construction. So, so looking specifically at cannabis, what sort of changes have you seen in your, in your side of this industry since... Uh, since, since you launched uh, your service? Uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of change, but there has been some. I think that there are more kind of um, shop owners and, and grow, uh, or uh, not shop owners, shop owners and, uh, what's, what am I, why am I blanking here? Here we go. <laughs> uh, grow operators, there we go. So, so what I've seen is uh, a lot of, you know, the shop owners and the grow operation owners, they're, being a lot more cognizant of the fact that they now have something to potentially lean back on in terms of risk. You know, it's not like the wild, wild west anymore. I mean, it still kind of is, but it's kind of emerging into a little bit more of a civilized society. So I've seen a lot of that, you know, a lot of, a lot more legitimization, you know, and also the stigma is kind of falling off because, you know, cannabis is here to stay and alcohol had this same kind of stigma. And I think it's kind of, um, you know, moving into that same kind of realm where people don't look at it the same way that they used to. It's not this like, you know, voodoo type of, wow, I got to stay away from it. This is this magical drug that is going to make people go crazy. It's more of like, listen, this is what's something that you people either use as medicine or recreationally. And, you know, they're allowed to do what they want to do with their bodies. And, you know, there, some people agree that, um, it may be bad for your body. And some people agree that it's fantastic for your body. And we really don't go into that kind of realm. We primarily focus on what the, you know, the injury itself wants, and we're kind of trying to attend to those wants, but it's a little bit difficult as of right now. But the reason that we're so kind of adamant about sticking to our guns here is because we know that there's really no other way that this can go because it is going to be legitimized federally one of these days. And once that happens, then everybody can, you know, kind of take a collective sigh and say, okay, we now have what we need to do. And we also have the proper products and a much better understanding of who it is that's in this industry, why they need to be protected, who they need to be protected from. Here's the price, here's the product, and we're going to do what we need to do to make sure that, you know, your operation is taken care of. So, so what, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about, about captive and, and non-captive insurance. Can you explain the difference between the two? And is there, you know, someone that you might, uh, uh, is there, uh, of the two, which one would you 
you know, maybe recommend cannabis uh, industry operators sort of sure, sure. going so towards? Captive, non-captive, it's kind of an industry term or kind of an industry way of describing how an agent is organized. And what I mean by that is a captive agent is someone who has loyalty and someone who basically works for a major captive insurer. And, you know, every time you turn on the television, if you see an insurance commercial, that's probably a captive insurer. Uh, Insurers like nationwide, like all state farmers, state farms, so on and so forth. Those are what we call captive insurers. You'll see if you drive down the street, you know, you'll see your neighborhood state farm agent or your neighborhood all state agent. Those agents can write primarily with just that particular insurer. Now, the insurer can own other insurance companies that they can write under, but primarily that's what they're trying to sell is you know that product. So, for example, if they're a State Farm agent, they want to sell you anything that's State Farm. So, State Farm auto insurance, State Farm, uh, State Farm uh, business owner's policy, umbrella, you know, your personal, uh, uh, what is it called, uh, homeowners, you know, so that's what they want to sell. And then you, on the other side of the street, you have, you know, the non-captive agent, also known as the broker. So the non-captive agent, you know, their loyalty is a little bit more kind of towards the consumer. So we service consumers because we're retail agents. So what we do is we basically shop the market. We're kind of like a wholesaler in, in, in a sense where we look at any and all carriers that we have access to, because we still have to be granted access to these insurance companies, whether it be direct or through something called a managing general agent, which is kind of like the uh, middleman. And what we do is we look at different markets and we compare those markets to see who has a better product and obviously a better price. Price is important. So we tend to kind of have a little bit more flexibility because we have just more access to markets. So, you know, it, what would I recommend? I mean, I, I can't really recommend one or the other because both have benefits. You know, if you are a small operation and you want to insure everything together, it's a lot more convenient for you to potentially insure something or everything with a state farm captive agent, because you'll have, you know, basically one premium for your auto insurance, your homeowner's insurance, your business insurance, and possibly even your life insurance. So, with the brokerage, I mean, we can bundle that all together, but it's a little bit more complex because even if you do, even if we do bundle it all together, we may have different insurers offering different policies, you know, to the insured. So, for example, you may have your commercial auto with a company like uh, Mercury, or uh, you know, your general liability with a company like Amtrust or you know, Scottsdale, something like that. So you would have multiple premiums going into multiple directions. So it's a little bit less convenient, although brokerages do have ways to make it more convenient uh, by doing something called an agency sweep. So basically they'll just accept the total and then they'll disperse the premium amongst uh, the the carriers that you have with that. It's not a very common practice because there are some errors and emissions uh, issues that come about with something like that. Uh, But the agencies that do offer that or the brokerages rather that offer that, you know, they can still kind of put it all together for you. So it really depends on what you're trying to ensure. If you've got a grow operation, regardless of size, it's probably not advisable to go to something like a farmer's or a state farm because they probably don't have the market because they're, you know, they've got this reputation that they need to sustain, right? Means they've got this giant marketing budget and their core competency is well, what they advertise, most of the time what they advertise is your homeowner's insurance and your auto. Primarily, you know, auto. Auto is kind of like the bigger of the two because there's just more people that drive cars than there are homeowners. So when you've got, you know, captive versus non-captive, 
it really is kind of a toss up. I mean, if you've got an agent that's got a really good relationship with you and, and they just don't have a core competency, even if that relationship is super, super strong, I would advise to go outside of that relationship and look for a brokerage that you could trust, you know, equally that will get you the right product because you know at the end of the day the reason that you're paying for insurance is to have that coverage so it just doesn't make any sense just because of the relationship to have something that maybe is subpar and maybe that's not the right terminology to use but maybe that's something that the carrier that your agent is is offering you is just not able to provide you so so then when when you know business owners go into this market um, you know, especially new business owners, you know, which which there's going to be a lot of in California here in a, in a couple months. Um, what should they be looking for? What is your advice for these entrepreneurs who are going to have to eventually have some sort of insurance in this industry? Okay. So the first thing that they should look out for is actually not so much the insurance. It's the agent slash broker. This is a very, very quickly and kind of, you know, maybe not quickly, but it's, it's moving fast enough for changes to be missed for either or agents uh, or captive agent or non-captive agent. So, you know, when you're looking for an agent or a broker, you really want to find someone who you can trust because they don't really dabble in too much. I mean, it's really difficult for agencies to write every line of insurance and be really, really good at every line of insurance. It just doesn't work that way because there's just too much to know. It's just very, very difficult to have a core competency in everything. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called a core competency. And so I would definitely recommend for looking for a brokerage or an agent that has some knowledge in cannabis, you know, someone who either is involved in cannabis one way or another by, you know, belonging to a trade organization or going to these trade shows, uh, you know, or someone who is going into that kind of with you because, you know, for agents, just like anybody else, when we go into something, we learn with our clients. And a lot of times we learn because the carriers come back to us and the underwriters come back to us and say, you know, this is how this works, or we can do this, but we can't do that. And basically our job is to take a look at the big picture and bring something back to you that we feel is best and give you a, a solution. If you have someone who does not know cannabis is not really aware of what cannabis is about, what states are legalizing it and what the regulation is in each one of those states, even if they have the licenses in those states, you know, suppose you've got a California agent that's licensing in, in Washington. If they don't know what's going on in Washington, they're not going to be able to help you know, you can't really just assume that just because that product is available to them because they have the appointment with the carrier, that they're going to be able to do a good job. And unfortunately, because insurance is a really competitive field, you do have a lot of that. So really, it's up to the, you know, the, the, the dispensary owner or the grow owner to do the research and talk to the agent, you know, and if the agent just doesn't know what's going on, then you probably don't want to go with that agent. For sure. That's, that's really, really good advice. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people I don't may not realize that you can have, you know, multi-state licenses to sell insurance, you know, that, that they might have to get these individual licenses um, in every state. So uh, finally, man, where can people find out more about, about you and your firm and, and you know, trying to get in touch with you now? 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can link, look me up on LinkedIn. I am fairly active on there, uh, depending on how the week goes. Uh, <laughs> we are a growing company, so I do have kind of, uh, you know, everybody pulling me from from every which direction. We do a bunch of consulting here locally in Southern California. We do a lot of, um, you know, kind of telecommuting as well, where we do consulting over the phone via Skype um, for, you know, businesses that are either in construction or in cannabis on everything from growth strategy to sometimes even retraction strategy. I like uh, retraction strategy because you know i'm a very niche guy so i like to talk to people about how to target certain audiences and how to work with them and uh, really get you know very good growth and sustainable growth um, linkedin like i said you could just look me up just type my name in my uh, last name is spelled s-e-n-d-e-r-o-v-i-c-h so so just sender and you know, and emphasis on the O and then just the Vich, uh, you know, you can, uh, find me on Instagram. I, I do a bunch of kind of, uh, random stuff here and there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm also, uh, my, my handle, I guess is on time, Mike, I do a bunch of podcasting myself as well. So, uh, you know, but if you're talking specifically about business, LinkedIn is definitely the best way to find me if you need to talk to me. And, you know, I, I don't, charge consulting fees if it's just advice. I mean, obviously, if it's something that is specific and something that we really need to dive deep into, then there will be a fee associated with that. Um, and if you want to contact our, our firm, and if you are looking for cannabis insurance, you can look us up online at uh, Zager, Z-E-Y-G-E-R insurance.com. Um, you know, and, and you'll have our telephone number there and then contact us and all that good stuff. We're, um, you know, we're always looking to kind of expand, not just because obviously we want to sell more insurance, but we, every policy that we sell, we actually learn from because we have different interactions with different underwriters mostly. And that gives us a better understanding of, you know, what direction we need to go into. Well, this has been, uh, really enlightening conversation you know it's 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 you're 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 a wealth of information my good man and i really appreciate <laughs> you uh t- taking the time to be on the show it's my pleasure i'm so happy that you responded to my email as fast as you did i mean you were really on it and uh you know the, a lot of the topics you wanted to talk about are are something that we were really passionate about and i just thank you so much for for having us and doing doing what you're doing absolutely a pleasure my man you can find more episodes of the Gondrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gondrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gondrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gondrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. <laughs>